Hello and welcome to KIOS at the Movies. I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and I'm here with Patrick Kinney and Diana Martinez from Film Streams. Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> and we're talking about the film, Just Don't Think I'll Scream. J'aborde le début d'année avec un mélange confus d'appréhension, de dégoût et de peur. Le pays... Just Don't Think I'll Scream is a reflection on depression, isolation, and the ways that we use stories and art to pacify and try and make it through some of the most lonely times in our lives. The story is told through clips of over 400 films that the filmmaker watched over the course of three years living in the country, away from his home city of Paris, locking himself in his house with piles of DVDs and vinyl records as the world seemingly descends into chaos every time he turns on the news. The safest place is at home. But what kind of life is this? Just sitting in an apartment, losing yourself in the lives of fictional characters? As someone who struggled with these thoughts and someone who watches hundreds of movies every year, oftentimes in the middle of the day while the world is at the office, this film really hits home especially in its self-absorption, and that's the point. In this way, it's a mirror into our own self-absorption. This film especially hits harder because of the last year in isolation experienced by most of us during the COVID-19 pandemic. Just Don't Think I'll Scream may not be for everyone, but if you can connect with it, it brings up some much-needed thought and reflections on our own methods of dealing with the pain and loneliness of the current age. So... What did you guys think about Just Don't Think I'll Scream? It's a kind of movie that uh, I actually find myself in the mood for often. It is, I think it's a, it's a genre of movie that mm-hmm. I think is an acquired taste and or maybe acquired taste is not just like too snobby. It's just not for everybody, but it is for me and I really like this one. Yes, I, this is a very particular kind of film. Honestly, it's like a, you know, if you're going to watch... Uh, like the Simpsons and they're lampooning uh, art house film like this is probably yeah. the genre they're pointing to which is basically the essay monologue film um, and here the conceit is, is that all the images that we're watching are you know from from films a director watched in this year of his life but the monologue has nothing to do with that you could listen to it separately but I, I also agree. Like, I think sometimes I'm in the mood for this kind of thing. Sometimes I'm not. I actually watched this film in two parts. The first hour, super into it. The second hour, I was in a really bad mood <laughs> when I was watching <laughs> it, and I was not into it. But it's it's incredibly distinctive. It's a genre. And then when we talk about recommendations on the podcast, um, I think it has its contemporary uh, spinoffs that are successful at mm. this format. As soon as I started it, I was like, I know what I'm getting into. This is like the Godard mm-hmm. monologue, but without the like fun parts around it. And like, this is going to be so hard to watch. And anyway, I ended up falling asleep. And then I went to go rewatch it. I got to this particular section shortly after he's talking about his father dying. And it goes into this like stuff that is so on the nose for me that it was almost kind of scary and specifically about being a cinephile, somebody who's like obsessed with movies and someone who's like had trauma in their life and is prone to like a lot of times going into like a cave and just watching other people's stories all day long and surrounding yourself with like physical media and 
all of this stuff starts to become like um, an addiction. And it kind of did to him. It started to become kind of an addiction and, and something that stopped him from doing his own work, making his own films, um, interacting with other people. And that's definitely something that I've been through in my life, like in numerous, <laughs> numerous uh, times in my life. Yeah, and I have to say, like, as far as, like, on the nose goes, I was watching this the week that I uh, realized that I was going to have to move very soon. So, yeah. like, behind the screen that I was watching this movie on is just a wall of, like, VHS tapes and records and books. <laughs> and I was just, like, looking, like, focusing on the film and then focusing on that wall and being like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just the ordeal that he went through to like transport all of his stuff and like try to thin it out. Like, I don't know. It was all just too much like, oh boy. Yeah. And I've been there. Like, uh, I, I kind of went through this period where before we moved to Omaha, I got rid of like all of my records, all of my DVDs. Uh, I still have like 400 DVDs, but at one point I had like more than that. <laughs> I had a VHS Your collection. physical media. Yeah, I just had like Keep all it. these stacks of things and, and sometimes they felt oppressive and it was like really interesting to see um, this film kind of tackle that, how sometimes like as an artist or a fan of something or a collector, oftentimes it can lead to like, these things are meant to bring you joy and meant to bring you like meaning and, and part of your identity, but sometimes it's it doesn't do that. It doesn't fulfill that. It becomes a distraction from, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big theme in the film. All these horrible things are happening in the world <laughs> throughout the film, terrorist acts and uh, natural disasters and horrible news. And, you know, he just wants to escape into his cave and, and he's like getting angry politically, but he doesn't do anything about it. And this is just like my life. <laughs> it's very timely that way. I think I also was, I mean, not judging, but like comparing what he watched in this hard year and the, mm. what I have watched in this last year of quarantine, basically, <laughs> like I'm coming up on a year in March um, and they're not at all too, similar things because what I watch for comfort is like definitely not what the director here is watching for comfort and I I find that really interesting like what um kind of people turn to in these moments um because I think I think that's like an insight into like who you are and mine is watching back to the future on a loop (laughs) and it is not watching these art films or you know the pink films that he's watching you're looking for a narrative that lets you know that there's a way out of this i'm looking for something that's (laughs) pure escapism and like that's just like my way of coping and like that's how i use media to cope well i will say to that point that uh so at the end i'm sure you guys made it this far too there he does of course the huge list of every film um, that's referenced that's you know that there's a clip from in and I was like totally at one point I was zoning out of his narrative because I was like I'm not gonna stop like pouring over these images until I recognize one of these films and then like and then you were like elf 
Yeah. No, I was shocked at the end. Elf is one of them, and I didn't recognize Elf. He's finding like the weirdest little like uh weirdest shots. The weirdest shots, the most ephemeral moments and like collecting those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the it does run the gamut. I mean, it's yeah, it is heavy art films to mm-hmm. elf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll he was say, all over the place. And I'll say that's like me too. Like I've gone I've I went through areas during this past year where I'm like only watching like documentaries about certain things. And then one week I'm literally only watching the office all week. And like, I can't even like sit through a whole movie. I'm just watching the office on playing episodes. I've seen it through all the, you know, however many times. And then the next week I'm like, okay, I need to watch some criterion films. And then (laughs) it's just all over the place, but mostly it's been, similar to diana you know just like watching things that are comforting to me like i've watched office space during this pandemic like 20 times probably remember offices remember those (laughs) i know i'm watching the office and office space (laughs) wow i mean for my part i'm almost finished with season five of columbo so you know i've made good progress (laughs) every time you say that you're watching that it's like brand new news to me and i know this (laughs) It's just so funny. <laughs> it's just the most comforting, warm hug of a show. This is one of those movies that I wish I knew French, though, so I could just, like, mm. stare at the screen mm. and just, like, get lost in the images rather than having to read the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the things that I think would have made, you know, it, because uh, I did, you know, get a little distracted. Most of the time, I don't notice myself, like, reading like subtitles anymore but in this film specifically i found myself noticing it more because i was like missing images (laughs) so but also because it's like a monologue and it's not like dialogue you can't kind of guess Mm -hmm. or kind of use gestures or the actors to kind of fill in what's happening while you're taking in the screen um but i think what i enjoyed about this film and these kinds of films is that they do give you a lot to think about. That they pose um, like intellectual questions or philosophical questions. One of the movies that I did recognize, uh, and I couldn't believe it, and then it was confirmed at the end in the scroll, there's a movie that we showed at Film Streams that some of our uh, members might remember uh, called Take Me to the River that was filmed in Nebraska by the director Matt Sobel. Um Anyway, that's just like a fun little Easter egg, I think, for film streams heads. I mean, should we just go into recommendations? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those films that, like, I don't have too much to say about it. I know you guys have mentioned the same thing. Um, But I think it's one of those films that, you know, is worth a visit. It's an hour and 14 minutes. Uh, If you find any of this person's story relatable, I think you can really get into the film and it goes by really quickly and and it kind of makes you think and it says something about the life that you know that we're all experiencing so and especially relevant during a time when we've all kind of been more isolated um yeah you know Mm -hmm. this is like somebody who was isolated before the pandemic Mm -hmm. uh, by moving to the country and getting out of the city Mm -hmm. Uh, but this is something that i think for all of us who have been you know, a little more isolated this last year can really like see ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just nice to like 
watch something like this. It's a personal essay, you know, uh, check out some of the films that are shown in this and, and, you know, just find that, you know, you're not alone in, um, you know, how difficult it, it's been, uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So with that, um, what should people watch with just don't think I'll scream? I thought of a couple movies while I was uh, watching this one, um, and neither of them are like French uh, French film essays that are exactly like this. But uh, the first one I thought of was uh, Dawson City Frozen Time, which is a film essay based on footage that was found. Um, this is a pretty wild story. So uh, there was an uh, some kind of excavation going on, building some building project going on in a small town in Alaska, and they unearthed a beautifully preserved trove of rare silent films from the 19 teens, I believe. Um, and so the, uh, uh, the film is like a collage of footage from that with just, this is text though. So it's, uh, again, you're reading a lot and it's pretty much nonstop, but, uh, I don't know. It reminded me of that experience of watching that. It's, you know, it's about a love of movies and it's a, it's a film essay. So Dawson, Frozen Time, and the other is uh, a movie called uh, An Oversimplification of Her Beauty, which is by uh, Terrence Nance, who is best known for the HBO show Random Acts of Flyness. Um, This is, uh, I think, uh, like a grouping of work that he did. Uh, It involves like animation, um, but yeah, it's also, it's like a a romantic meditation about uh, this relationship that he's in that's very, very much in this mood. Um, so my recommendations, I have a couple. Uh, one of them is a film, uh, I Am Not Your Negro, um, which is an essay film basically taking the words of um, James Baldwin's last unfinished work and setting it to a collage of um, films and television and news representations of black people and it's a really powerful film and I think within the genre like kind of does a similar thing and like it's it's not only kind of telling a history of James Baldwin and his relationship with with fallen leaders of the civil rights movement but it is also posing these like larger questions about our relationship to media about black representation about um you know, how film shapes our culture and our national imaginary. So watch that film. And the next um, recommendation that I have is actually a television show called How To with John Wilson. Um, That's on HBO, which I think is totally like in the vein, like it's a contemporary version of this essay genre. Um, It is um, John Wilson, who's a comedian, a writer, director, Uh, basically taking disparate shots that he's taken around New York City and putting together little essays of how to do certain things in your life. I think the first two episodes for me were okay, but I think in the third episode and beyond, um, he really starts honing his voice. And by the time you get to the last episode of the season, which is actually shot um, at the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic in New York City and lockdown is happening, It is just like, I think it's going to be a really important um, media product of 2020. Like it's just so touching and poignant and well done. And it's just basically like a monologue and John Wilson living his life as as things are changing. And it's funny. 
um, and really uh, just wonderful. It's a, it's a wonderful um, way of taking the genre and making it really accessible for people. I'll second that. It's an amazing show. So I'm just going through the list of uh, films that are shown in this film. And I'm just going to take one of these films uh, recommendations and it's a pop star. Never stop. Never stopping. <laughs> yes. Because, I okay, that. Second and third. <laughs> <laughs> because it is so good. So good. Um, I also just realized like there's so, when I was watching this film, I was like, I don't know any of these movies really. And then now I'm looking at the list and, and I've seen a lot of these films. So, um, I don't feel as bad about myself now. <laughs> I mean, there's because something it is to like be... he took so many random shots from the films that I'm like, it's not like Will Ferrell dressed in the elf. It's like probably right, like yeah. a, who knows what shot it is. It's probably like just some random. It's probably person, from the like... beginning, from the animated part. Yeah. <laughs> I have. I mean, it does. It makes you think about like seeing mm-hmm. and how much you're actually how you are actually watching movies, uh, and if he's watching them in a different way. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to kind of go with like something similar to I Am Not Your Negro. When you said that, it just reminded me of two of my favorite documentaries, hands down, or um, two films by uh, Goran Olson. And he did a film called The Black Power Mixtape, uh, 1967 through 1975. That's a very similar type of essay. They have all these, um, this stock footage from, um, these Swedish journalists uh, during the civil rights movement through the, you know, 67 through 75, um, just tons of archival footage. And they may have this essay with all kinds of different um, narrators and it's really, really good. And then the other one is by the same filmmaker called concerning violence. It's an incredibly powerful film about the East African liberation struggles of the sixties and seventies from colonial rule. And it's just super powerful. It's, you know, narrated by Lauren Hill. It's just, I don't know the way that they do the archival footage with the, the typography and the, and the way that the film is narrated. It's just such a beautiful movie. Um, so, and it's really powerful and, and heartbreaking but also never stop, never stopping pop star, Andy Samberg and <laughs> a hilarious movie. And the great, I what? What just happened? I started saying gang and crew at the same time. And then uh, the gang crew, the, the crew. crew. <laughs> oh, also there's a clip from you can count on me in here by Kenneth Lonergan. That's really good too. Have you seen yeah. that? Anyway, there's so many oh, yeah. movies in this. Just Don't Think I'll Scream is available on film streams at home. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure. For film streams, I'm Patrick Kinney. And for film streams, I'm Diana Martinez. <laughs> <laughs>